everybody. My name is Sir Topham Hatt, and it is my pleasure to inform you that you're about to listen to the Right on Track podcast. All aboard! Welcome one, welcome all to episode 37 of the Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends podcast that we know simply as Right On Track. I, of course, am Tom Parry, one third of this marvellous team. Also part of the team is our very own Connor Jonas. Hello, Connor. Hello, Parry. And then in the other corner, we have the other Tom. It is none other than Tom Denham. Yes, the mad one. I think we're all... No, we're all a little yeah. mad. We're all mad here. <laughs> hey, guys, I've got a great idea about podcast. We talk about talking trains. What do you think? Oh, I don't reckon it'll fly. I never know. <laughs> yes, we have a lot of... We do have a lot of fun on this podcast here. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. You've missed out on a lot, but... Um, Hopefully we can make it up for you today because we are looking at three stories from Series 5 of the television series Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. Denham, why don't you tell us what stories we're going to be covering today? Well, Parry, those stories in question are Something in the Air, Thomas, Percy and Old Slowcoach, and Thomas and the Rumours. Three very intriguing episodes which i'm looking forward to discussing as am i yes so gentlemen we all ready to jump into it i'm ready absolutely okie dokie let's get into it with the very first story of today which is something in the air and in the clip you're about to hear thomas the tank engine has come across something peculiar on the railway line he's Traveling on. As they approached the lighthouse, they saw a man waving a red flag. What's the matter now? High tides are damaging the track, reported the man. I've marked the spot. We'll go and inspect, said the driver. It would be dangerous for heavy engines like Henry, agreed the driver, but for Thomas, it's safe enough. There is danger on the rails here on the coastal run on the Sodor Northwestern Railway. I'm afraid that this may lead to trouble. As always. Trouble? What kind of trouble? Well, you know, like, I mean, there's just been some erosion on the line. And what has occurred is that it's light enough erosion for light engines like Thomas to go along it. However, it is not stable enough for big engines like Henry to go along it. And that is the crux of this episode here. It is yet another Kipper episode that, again, ends in disaster. Mm, It's a peculiar one as well. Uh, But before we get into that, I want to do a quick rundown of this story. And it begins with Thomas the Tank Engine collecting some fish at a seaside village and there's an accident in where he gets some fish dropped on top of him and of course he absolutely reeks and he takes his fish back to Henry so they can be boarded onto the flying kipper and 
as we heard in the clip and as Connor alluded to, the track is, uh, well, it's on a precarious point at the shoreline because high tides have seen the sand and the rock be eroded away, leaving just the rails, and Thomas is able to travel across them safely, but for a big engine like Henry, it's going to be an issue, and Thomas tries to warn Henry about it, but Henry's too preoccupied with, one, the fact Thomas is late, and two, the fact that he absolutely reeks of fish. And, uh, unfortunately, no one ever gets to warn Henry nor his team about the problem on the track, so what happens is the flying kipper flies at full speed towards the area which is now submerged in water and Henry finds himself <laughs> uh, finds himself travelling out to sea yeah um Henry needs a snorkel <laughs> he does he does oh dear this episode results in one of the most interesting crashes in the entire show purely because of how it uses water which we never see used on this scale before. No, we never have. Of course, we've seen uh, trains um, ha have accidents with water, most famously Percy. He gets half submerged in a flooded river back in Percy's Promise all the way back in Series 3. But no, this accident in particular, it, it's extraordinary because Henry's entire cab and tender goes underwater, the trucks he's pulling follow him, and he ends up being like a good few hundred yards from the shoreline. <laughs> he just travels and forever and ever. And then he spurts water out of his mouth. Yeah, which, which is amazing. I have... It is very, very, very beautiful. And I remember seeing this episode on TV many, many years ago when I was a child, and it stuck with me, particularly because of that moment when Henry squirts water out of his mouth. It's just, I don't, it's just absolutely memorable. And I reckon in the years intervening, I never saw it on VHS, I never saw it on DVD. It was only until I got the full fifth series on DVD that I was able to watch it again. And it still proved just as mesmerizing and baffling and enjoyable in equal amounts all these years later. It was one of those episodes for Australian home media that was released a lot later and didn't make onto any of the Series 5 VHSs that came out. Um, mm. But the, It's funny that we talk about the moments that stick with us because the moment that stuck with me was in the very beginning of the episode where the uh, steam crane drops those crates of fish on Thomas. For some reason, I don't know, that always stuck with me. What's actually interesting is that scene at the start of the episode may be the inspiration for this story because it is based off a magazine story, A Fishy Smell, uh, where Henry is going to be pulling passenger trains and Thomas is put in charge of the kipper. And the crux of that episode is when an old steam crane drops smelly fish on Thomas. Mm, indeed. In fact, all of the stories we're covering today are actually adaptations of magazine stories written by future showrunner Andrew Brenner. So, yes. yeah, well done, Andrew Brenner. Good on you. A round of applause. Yes, this is the third Kipper accident. Uh, Henry's got <laughs> terrible luck. He does. Another thing about Henry, 
He's very arrogant in this episode. He's very season one. He is. I love arrogant mm. Henry. Absolutely. It's my favourite Henry. And it's really a shame as well, because we see... Um, I, I mean, I do love the Bravely Henry. I love the way he's sort of mellowed over the years, but at the same time, you know, his arrogance, his um, feistiness, you could say, is what gives him zest. It's what, you know, keeps people engaged, keeps people wanting to watch him, you could say. Hmm. But yes, uh, this episode's main climax is when Henry is leaving the docks with the kipper. Uh, the signalman hasn't changed the points or the route that Henry's taken. and Well, well technically, though, it's the fault of the yard manager true. because uh, Thomas's driver and fireman tried to get to him and then the yard manager tried to tell the signalman. But by the time he answers the phone call, Henry's already rushing by and he can't hear what he needs to do. Yeah. See? See, it's not always our fault. Uh. <laughs> uh, but but uh, there is such a wonderful build-up there, especially when Henry is leaving the docks with the music. You see him pulling away along a long stretch of track with his long train behind him with some amazing music. And then, of course, the actual accident is almost comedic because Henry essentially just continues going along like normal, except now he's in water. Yeah, very much so. And at the end of the accident, he squirts some water out of his mouth, which would have been a custom mechanism they made for Henry after they removed all the electrics to have him squirt water out of his mouth, which implies that the engines have got, like, Cheeks and a mouth and lungs and stomachs and what have you, yes. But we're not going to get they are trains with faces. They're just with faces, okay? We're gonna stick with that. Okay, let's stick with that then. Um now one thing we haven't touched upon yet is <laughs> what happens after Henry's major accident. And first of all, um he's admonished by the fat controller, which I find most extraordinary because compare it to uh, the Flying Kipper episode in Series 1, where he's quite um, he's quite supportive of Henry. He's quite... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, sympathetic towards him. And he said, cheer up, Henry. It wasn't your fault. It was ice and snow that caused the accident. And in this one, it wasn't Henry's fault either. He's not to blame for the track being washed away or being submerged or for not getting the message from Thomas's crew. So... He didn't even leave early. He left exactly, on time. Exactly, yes. And the, f- the only possible issue he had was he was trying to go a little bit fast because of trying to keep to time. But but mind you as well, though, we do get a very good remark from the Fat Controller through how he says, well, Henry, you're supposed to fool, pull fish, not swim with them. <laughs> yes. And uh, Henry is rescued from his predicament after he is loaded on a barge and then, is, yeah, this... <laughs> and is then brought into the docks and uh, is called a big green whale. By the children, and he's also made fun of by Cranky. That's actually another image that stuck with me from watching this story many years ago. It's seeing Henry in that barge surrounded by fish being brought back to the docks and Cranky making fun of him. Hmm. It's quite comedic. There is something quite funny about it. There is a detail about this episode that often is unknown, and I feel adds to it. 
actual sardines were used in the episode. <laughs> that is bizarre. Oh, wow. So one reason it looks so good and the fish looks so real is they're real. They must have been pretty small sardines, though, because the sardines I eat, you know, the ones that come in the tin, they're huge by comparison. Well, if you think about how big the Henry model is as well. Oh, you make a fair point, yes. But it is an amazing episode. Um, and it it further proves my point on how the railway line shouldn't be that close to the coast. Mm, so that's another rule broken. The line is too close to trees and it's too close to the seaside. Exactly. Not with, you know, old barges acting as a sea barrier. But uh, rankings, fellas. Rank. Oh, we're getting into rankings already. Okay, um, let's go with 9 out of 10. I think that there's certainly plenty of memorable moments. I think that um, one or two scenes don't quite gel, particularly um, Sir Topham Hatt talking to Henry. But overall, though, what can I say? It's a classic. 9 out of 10. With an 8? It's, you know... Again, it's good, it's just, you know, it, it almost feels a little rushed. But it's still a really good episode. Yeah, I, 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 I do like it, but it's not what jumps out at me at the same Um I think it's something, again, that I have spoken about on the podcast I love is the dialogue. And one of my favourite lines is when Tom says there's danger on the rails, that's why we're late. And Henry goes, huh, you're the only danger on the rails. But one of the other things I love about this episode, which works really well, is the history with fish <laughs> that both Thomas and Henry share and how this works really well here. Um, I think it's a really good character pairing that we don't see enough of. So, yeah, for for that reason, I really enjoy it. But at the same time, like... It's simple, it's straight to the point, but there is a very nice kind of comedic but very well escalated crash. So I'm probably going to give it a seven. Seven, eight, nine. What a tasty <laughs> meal. And with that, we're going to move on to our next episode, which is Thomas Percy and Old Slow Coach. Who Old Slow Coach is? Well, you're about to find out. Thomas and Percy had to take some empty trucks to the scrapyards. As they were shunting their trucks into a siding, they saw an old coach. She looked very sad. What are you doing here? They called me old slow coach and told me I wasn't useful anymore. Now only the mice ride in me. Well, you may be dusty, but you look in perfect shape. The yard manager appeared. Come along, I have trucks for you to take away. Excuse me, said Percy's driver. Can you tell us about this coach? Old slow coach, she's been here for years. She'll be broken up when we find the time, he replied. The engines were most dismayed. We'll try and help you, said Thomas, but he didn't know how. Yes, Thomas and Percy indeed wanted to help their new friend, old slow coach, because it was a sad, miserable sight seeing her rot and decay away in the scrapyard. And it is really a sad image seeing this coach all derelict and rusted with this sad expression. Mm. You can't help to feel sorry for her. 
Um, but there is more danger happening elsewhere where James is pulling some fuel tankers and one of them catches fire. So the fire brigade needs to come put the fire out. And then later on in the story, uh, the fire brigade needs to come to their services again when a building is burning down and they require the water from Thomas and Percy's tanks, which I think is rather novel. Um, and I, I really like that they use this in, in this episode. I think it's really well done. Um, but it does feel like it's one of those episodes where a lot happens in five minutes. Mm. But despite a lot happening, I feel that it's paced rather well. Um, after I, I would agree. After the subsequent building fire, which is revealed to be a workman's hut, uh, the workman needs somewhere to stay. So uh, Thomas and Percy decide why not use Old Slowcoach. And Old Slowcoach is given a new lease on life as a building. (laughs) Temporarily, we will. Yes, however, it's never revealed what really happens to old slow coach and how well, no, not in this story we later no. find out you know because slow coach is put to use in another way which we won't spoil right now but um yeah um again th- this is becoming a cliche on the podcast but a lot of stuff happens in this story um yes. Yeah, so it's not just Thomas and Percy coming across old slow coach. At the beginning, they're talking to James in a shed as they watch the sunrise at what I think is Lower Tidmouth. Uh, um, Tidmouth Holt. Tidmouth Holt, I beg your pardon. Yes, so that was the station. It's the beginning of uh, Duck's Branch Line. Yes, very much so. And um, then afterwards, we hear James... Uh, isn't particularly fond of the summer holidays, and he's nor is he fond of the seaside. He'd rather be in the countryside. And as he's heading through the countryside with, uh, is it a bunch of oil tankers? Yes, fuel tankers. Yes, fuel tankers. Uh, there's a leak in one of them, and sparks from his funnel start a fire, and uh, he has to be uncoupled from the train. And this is where we first meet the fire brigade who are dressed in full 1950s firefighting regalia. So they look very mm-hmm. smart. They kind of look like um, Fyman Sam on graduation day, you could say. <laughs> um, no, no, seriously, I think that's um, a, a note you can make because there are some... Maybe this is just my childhood watching, you know, children's television and all these British TV shows, but I always thought of this group of firemen as the same firefighting people that you'd see in the show Fireman Sam. I just, that's how my young mind worked for some reason. But yes, um, after this fire with James and the fuel tankers, um, Thomas and Percy go about their day when there is yet another fire. But when the firemen arrive, they don't have any water. So... Because they used it all putting out the fire that James started. <laughs> I know. And I will say, James did start the previous fire. Sparks from his fire. James did start the fire. <laughs> Second time James has been on fire. Because his brakes were wooden in the field he's gone. 
But yes, so Thomas and Percy decide, uh, well, offer to use water from their tanks since they've just uh, refilled them at the water tankers. And they're able to put the fire out, the workman's hut, however, they're unable to save the building. Mm. Uh, and, and we forgot the important point there. They had to use the water from their tanks because um, the water that from the sea, it's full of salt, so it corrodes all their equipment. And actually, this, this brings up another point, because I think this might be the very first instance in which a television episode has influenced a story in the railway series may be true would you like to build on that yes i would very much like to build on that because in one of the later railway series stories written by christopher audrey who of course is the son of reverend wilbur's audrey he um has a story in which Gordon is tasked with putting out a fire because uh, he's nearby and there are no other sources of water, so they use the water from his tank in order to put out the fire. There you go. You learn something new. I I never made the correlation between those two stories. But yes, uh, Old Slow Coach is uh, rebuilt. Oh, not rebuilt. Repainted, refurbished, and is now just called... Coach. Because there's nothing slow or old about Coach. Despite old slow Coach still being old because age can't be reversed. Um, and I would say that old slow Coach is now very slow because old slow Coach is stationary, uh, acting as a building uh, for a while. Uh, yet she's later turned into a coach uh, and appeared in a later story. And... Actually, um, uh, never mind. I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was going to say briefly, that's like calling me old, tall man. Yes. <laughs> Your point? Why don't they give old slow coach a name? Like, I... exactly. Yeah, true. Um, there are a few interesting things about this episode. Uh, it, like, for me, it's one of my most memorable episodes. Um, it's, you know, the James Percy Thomas dynamic. First coach with a grey face. Ah, true. And, and note as well how they continue to give old slow coach a female designation, as is traditional in Thomas and Friends Railway Series lore. Yes. Uh, then there's also um, the first introduction of the Fire Brigade, with the amazing, like, scene uh, of James terrified, covered in soot and ash from the fire. Um, also, it is, the la- it is the last time a guard has a speaking role until season 18. Ooh, well now. Mm. Because it is there a guard that stops Thomas and Percy when they approach James, who is on fire. And you, you mentioned before, Parry, how this is also inspired by a magazine story. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, the uh, using the water from an engine's tanks to put out a fire from the magazine story Fire, which means that maybe this is the time a magazine story inspired the TV series, which inspired the railway series. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, the story I was referring to Earlier, it's called Gordon's Fire Service, and it appears in the 2011 book Thomas and His Friends, 
which is number 42 in the Railway Series, and to date it is the last Railway Series book to be published. True. However, in 2020, a Railway Series-esque book has been released under the title Thomas and the Royal Engine. Mm. So should that be counted? No, because it's not written by either of the Audreys and it doesn't use the proper illustrations inside the book like it's supposed to. No, No, that's a fair point. That that is a fair point. And for those who don't know what we're referring to, there was a television special recently um, in which Thomas takes the fact and crawler to London to meet Her Majesty and... um, uh, yeah, they released a book that ties in with it, and it had a railway series-style illustration on the front cover. And everyone said, oh, th- this is amazing. And then they opened up the inside of the book to find it was just stills from the animated episode. So yeah, so don't judge a book by its cover, people. Mm, yes. Disgruntled, disgruntled <laughs> Thomas fan in the corner over here. Um, now, there is something interesting about this episode that I'd like to share on how it closely parallels a real-life railway event, uh, specifically with James and the fuel tankers. That is really interesting, if you'd indulge me for a second. Mm-hmm. And it is known as the Soham Rail Disaster. Now... uh the Soroham Rail Disaster occurred 2nd of June, 1944. So we just had its anniversary pass. And what's really interesting about it is that an engine was going along when um, smoke, well, sparks from its funnel uh, caught fire, well, caught a fire on the goods behind it ignited a fire on the goods behind it thank you ignited a fire on the goods behind it now instead of fuel of course this being 1944 means that it was carrying explosives (laughs) oh no specifically 400 tons of bombs That is a lot of bombs. And it is one of the most heroic railway stories out there because... um, One of the most heroic railway stories out there because... As it was approaching Soham Station, the driver looked back and saw flames coming from the leading wagon that contained 500 pounds or 227 kilograms of bombs. So, uh, the driver, uh, Benjamin Gimbert, brought the train to a halt rather than running for safety and instructed the fireman, James Nightall, to uncouple the first wagon from the rest of the train. Then, Gimbert drove the engine away with the on-fire explosive wagon from the rest of the train. Whoa. Uh, when it then later exploded, causing a crater <clears throat> um, that was, I believe, 20 feet deep. Whoa. Whoa. Due to the actions of 
gimbit, a much more severe explosion was averted because uh, scientifically, if there is one explosion, if there's one explosive that goes off and then you have two explosives, the damage caused by those two explosives would be greater than two times the damage of the first. It's an exponential curve. So instead of the 44 wagons going off, which would have leveled the town of Soham at the town, um, it then only was one. Now, the engine uh, was, of course, badly damaged. The driver, Gimbert, survived. How on earth did he manage that, Connor? I don't know. Um, however, <laughs> um, the resulting blast killed the fireman, James Nightall, and the signalman, Frank Bridges, who was on the opposite platform of the station when it exploded, because it actually uh, exploded uh, when it was still alongside the platforms at the station. However, it was uh, near empty. Oh, dear. And the guard, uh, Herbert Clark, uh, survived the blast and was uh, just stunned and shocked. He managed to walk to the next signal box to warn the signalman, the signalman there what had happened. Um, apart from those four men, uh, there were five others who, severe, who suffered severe injuries and there were another 22 minor injuries. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the explosion created a crater that was 66 feet in diameter or 20.1 metres and 15 feet or 4.6 metres deep. The station buildings were almost demolished and there was uh, severe damage or moderate to over 700 properties. Ish, that's, um, yeah. And um, there, there was a memorial opened on the 2nd of June, 2007. However, like the reason I bring this up is that James's accident uh, was quite similar to that, because dealing with fuel tankers, which can explode. Yes, yes, they can. And it was ignited in very much the same way as the Soham Rail disaster. Um, so despite it being a very fleeting scene in this episode, it could have been so much more dangerous. Yes, it could have. Hmm. So the moral of the story here, kids, is don't play with fire. Yes. This is this is true. Yes. I'm going to put my matches away. Wait, what? Denim? Nothing. So um rankings. Uh well, okay then. Uh after all that, um look, it it this episode it's really sweet, I think. Um and yeah, there's a little bit of action in there. Um and you get to see Thomas and Percy interacting. They're shown to be very wise engines, very mature engines, not the sort of more juvenile, childlike personalities that we'd see in later seasons. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a really well-written episode, and it's been, oh, you could say, perfectly adapted for television. So I am going to give it an 8 out of 10. Hmm. Okay, mm. Denim, what do you think? There's a lot I enjoy about this episode. Um, it has a very excellent 
climax with uh, James catching fire. It also has a very. Uh, it it also has a lovely uh, shot of a beautiful day at the scrapyard, which is uh, nice to see. Um, beautiful day. Oh, it's sunny. The weather's nice. Yeah. I, I, I will say, normally when we see the scrapyard, it's dark and foreboding, but this time it's just more so seen as a Yeah, but it's kind yeah. of jarring, though, as well, to see, you know, Thomas and Percy working quite happily in this yard, surrounded by all this scrap metal, some of which are their old counterparts. Corpses it, of their brethren. Yes, true. That's well put, Connor. And um, as well as that, you've got this coach, which is, you know... in. Perfectly good working order. Sure, there's a bit of dirt and a bit of rust here and there, but the foreman just says casually, oh, we're going to break her up when we can find the time, and it's just miserable. Um, it's, yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, but so, sorry, Denim, I've cut you off. Um, what would no, you like to give this okay. episode? Well, well, Parry, I'm going to give this episode a 69 out of 10. I think I really enjoy it. Give it a 7. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I like it, but I don't like it that much. Well, uh, in order to counteract Denim, I'm going to give this episode an 8.1 out of 10. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. It's memorable. The first shot you actually have the bunkers and tender of James, Thomas, and Percy. And it's really well done. Like, I mean... Hmm. And that shot as well is reminiscent of the ending of All at Sea, which is, of course, one of our favourite episodes. Hmm. So it's... Yeah, it's it's a great episode, great shots, with, you know, a dangerous scene where James could have been exploded to pieces. Uh, second time, James has been on fire. And, you know, a wonderful coach who i distinctly remember being one of my first wooden railway toys that i ever got so yeah 8.1 from me and from that we are going to move on to our musical interlude now parry you found this one for us we are going to be listening to a beatles cover in lieu of our old friend and the narrator ringo star this is with a little help from my friends as arranged by Thomas the Tank. That's D-A Tank. You're listening to the Right on Track podcast.
And that was Thomas DeTank's cover of the Beatles song, With a Little Help from My Friends. And with the help from my friends, Tom Parry and Tom Denham, you're listening to the Ride on Track podcast. Hello. Yes, that indeed you are. And uh, of course, we play covers of Thomas the Tank Engine themes and Thomas the Tank Engine renditions of other songs a lot are here on the podcast. It's a tradition of ours. And, um, you know, we just have so many songs to choose from each and every episode, and we'd love to promote them all, but we can't. So um, if ever you have the time, head on over to SoundCloud, search the likes of Headmaster Hastings, the Tugster Intensifies, Sudri and Afro, and you'll just be led down a rabbit hole of all of these wonderful melodies and harmonies and all, all these lovely songs. So, yeah, definitely check that out when you get the chance. It's a good time. I often listen to this stuff either when I'm working on my layout or just going for a walk. I think it's uh, a definite way to uh, get a smile on the dial, especially in this time. Hmm. And uh, more than that, we are now asking for a little help from you, our friends to actually recommend some of your favourite Thomas-inspired and Thomas songs to us via our various social media sites that you can hear at the end of the podcast. Yes, we won't plug them now. You'll just have to wait a little longer for that. Or if you you know can't be bothered waiting, then we've got links in the description. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just look at those. Yeah. But with that, we're going to move on to Thomas and the Rumours where there has been a whirlybird around the island and some children that have got a closed playground. How could they be connected? I wonder, and we don't find out in this clip how they're connected, but um, we do get to hear some excellent roundtable conversations with the whole gang. You look glum, little Percy. What's up? asked Gordon. The fat controller told Driver that he's using Harold to show a special visitor the island instead of using any of us engines. Despicable, said Gordon. Disgusting, snorted Henry. Engines are meant to take special visitors round our island, not that whirly bird thing, James exclaimed. Gordon was the first to see Harold. Harold thinks he can go faster than me. I'll show him. Next, it was Henry's turn. The fat controller has chosen Harold because he thinks he's more important than me. Well, he's not. Harold can't fly through tunnels. Percy stopped by a signal on his branch line near a field where sheep were grazing. Harold hovered for a while, then buzzed away. I know what he's doing, said Percy. He's counting sheep. And he puffed along his line, feeling much better about things. That evening, the engines talked about the situation. Harold wants to get rid of us, said Gordon grimly. He doesn't need tunnels, added Henry. Don't worry, he's just counting sheep, said Percy. Counting sheep? Pa! snorted Gordon. He's counting how many engines he can get rid of. He'll see how useful I am tomorrow. Thomas wanted to mention the children's playground, but solving the mystery of Harold and the special visitor came first. You know, Thomas the Tank Engine, I'm not so sure that the mystery of Harold 
does come first because I think the task you've been bestowed with is pretty important. Uh, now, for those who haven't seen the episode in full, what happens is Thomas is along his branch line and a bunch of unhappy school children meet him at the station and says that they've closed down the playground because the sand in the sand pit is too dirty and therefore, you know, it's not safe for playtime. And Thomas uh, says to the children, well, I'll see what I can do to help. And um, he plans on raising it with the other engines. But then Percy uh, flies in and, well, not flies, literally, but he um, <laughs> swiftly comes into the sheds and he says that... Uh, the special visitor is being taken around the island and the Fat Controller has chosen Harold the Helicopter to um, take him around. And the engines are absolutely incensed at this idea because you know, they're typically the ones who are taking visitors around the island and they can't understand why Harold's up to the task. And um, as the trains go along, they just... Lots of jealous noises. Uh, Percy sees Harold hovering over a field and deduces that he's counting sheep and of course as we hear in the clip the engines absolutely think that idea is ludicrous um, and I then... personally like the idea of just counting sheep he's been having trouble sleeping recently <laughs> he's just... yeah the bags under the eyes are an issue mm. oh yes indeed um, and then after that we see Gordon and his crew being distracted by Harold. Now, it's very important because it's not just Gordon who's distracted, it's his crew as well. And they follow Harold um, to just wherever he goes. They don't really look where they're going. And Gordon ends up in an accident in a tunnel. And uh, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine asks Sir Topham Hat afterwards, um, will, you, will you be scrapping Gordon? And... The Fat Controller says, now, why would I do that? And then Thomas says, well, because aren't you getting Harold to replace it? And he goes, no, that's not true. Uh, this special visitor is... Da, 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 looking for sand for the children's sand pit. What? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I did not see this coming either. I mean... I, uh, obviously, is it just a new place for the playground? No, no, no. So what they're looking for is they're looking for sand to replace the sand in the sand pit, and it was much better for him to, you know, go up in the air. Uh, hold on, maybe he was. No, it's I, a, I, I'm getting it's really a suitable now. site for the new playground. Yet he goes that the sand from the tunnel that they've been digging out would be perfectly suitable for. The sand pit. The special visitor is examining suitable sites for a new playground. Yes. yes. And the punchline of the episode is that tunnel sand might be good. Mm, yes. Uh, it, it's such an unsatisfactory ending. Is it though? Mm. Like, I mean, after that, you have a thing of, oh, Good, and then all the engines watch Harold and... Henry has a wonky eye. <laughs> yeah, Henry has got the wonkiest eyes in the final he's shot of him. A, he's having a, a rough morning. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but um, then all the engines are fine with Harold, knowing that 
He's just trying to help out the island and he's not spying on them. Mm. It's a... You see, this episode is very weird because it starts off with the children stopping Thomas because the playground is closed. And I mean, that really isn't that interesting. But it's it's like, working I mean, us up to the greater conflict, though, Connor. What I do like, this, the saving grace about this episode is how each character reacts to different situations. Thomas is very, I guess, caught up in the lives of the children because he relates well to them. Thus, he is showing concern for their worries of the playground. And to him, that's a great issue. Whereas to the big engines their great issue is what on earth Howard is doing. And we get Percy's lack of imagination here where he sees Howard flying over a field and he goes, it's okay. He's just counting sheep. I think that's the thing this story does well. Aside from that, the rest doesn't make much mm. sense for me. Um, the, yeah, a, a lot of characters have got actually a part in this episode because you start with Thomas and then, you have Percy running in about the news of Harold, which, of course, Percy and Harold do have a connection in the past. Then you have got Gordon, Henry, and James, and how Gordon, Henry, and Percy each have their own little interactions with Harold, and then it finally all meets up at the end with Gordon and his crew distracted by Harold and crashing into a tunnel which is in under construction. In a most spectacular accident, it we must is. add as well, because seeing the it sand is a good blast accident. our face. Yeah, yes. because you see Gordon go into the tunnel, you see, you know, the tunnel approaching, you see the fireman quickly flick the regulator, shut off steam, brakes, eyes shut, tunnel approaches... And the next shot you see of Gordon, he's just covered in sand. Mm, yeah, and we've uh, made notes in previous episodes of this season of how the writers really bring out that human element to the series and the human interaction and how much control they have over the engines. We see mm. that here in um, because... The, the the drivers are right into it. It's the driver who says, you know, we'll show that whirlybird to Gordon. And then yeah. it's the driver and fireman who are admonished by the fat controller rather than Gordon himself uh, yeah. towards episode's end. So, yeah, I think that's a really nice touch there. I, um, I, I feel I should also add um, along the other lines of Thomas memes uh, that uh, when... Yes. Thomas goes, you're not going to scrap us? Uh, the fat controller goes and laughs and says, you were wrong. Which has become another Thomas meme. Oh, ho, 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 y- yes. yes. Um, and we should also point out as well, uh, once again, it's been abbreviated. I think the um, I think the actual line is something like, ho, ho, well, you were wrong and you shouldn't listen to rumours, Thomas. Exactly. Mm. But... Uh, I think it's another case of when Captions. um on the subtitle version it does simplify what yes. has been said. But like this episode is a weird one because 
a lot, a lot happens. Um, but then again, nothing happens. And I, I, I feel it's a little bit, I don't know, put together out of weird different pieces. It, it doesn't seem to flow that well to me. Huh. Well, I'm getting a sense that this is my better late than never because I really enjoy this episode and I get a lot out of it. I enjoy watching it over and over again. And I think everything just flows brilliantly. But um, obviously that's just me here. So, um, yeah. Your thoughts, Denim? As I said, the characterization is good. That's probably the strongest thing about the episode. But beyond that, it's quite superficial. And there Mm. is a bit of fun. The build up to the crash is nice, but like it's the crash. The the the, the crash is great, but like I feel yeah. as though the ending kind of is a little sloppy. Um, yeah. With another rewrite, it could have been really good, um, but at the same time, it's okay. Um, yeah, it, it's okay. Like my my two favorite parts about the episode. Uh, the crash, and at the very start of the episode, when Thomas is at Callan Station with the children, there is a Marilyn Monroe poster. Are you serious? Really? Yes. Well, I never picked that up before. I have to look at the episode more closely. It is in the shot from the footbridge when Thomas arrives at the station. And you'll and he's looking at the children. The children are looking at him, and it is the closest poster to the camera. Oh yes, I see it. Uh, it's all black and white, and you can vaguely make out Marilyn Monroe's face. Okay, so if that's a Marilyn poster, are we going to say then that this episode or story rather is set around um, late fifties, early sixties? Is that what you're both sensing? Well, like, yeah. I mean, if you've got a Marilyn Monroe poster, it probably should be, unless it's taking place in the future, because I don't believe time travel is that... Um, I'd say 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Controversially, one of my favourite shots in this episode, as spectacular as the crash sequence is, is when Thomas rolls out of Callan Station underneath the road bridge. Um, there's just something very aesthetically pleasing mm. about it. No, I, I, I know what you mean. But, like, th- this episode, it feels very empty and sparse at times. Like, I mean, it... It's sloppily put together. It has got some good characters characterization, but then they're only used in 10, 15 second segments and that's it. So ratings wise, I'm going to give it a four. Denim. Three. (laughs) um, Well, I actually enjoyed this story a lot more than my co-hosts do. I do love the characterizations. I love the 
uh, scenery. It's particularly lovely. Um, I love the mystery element in there. I do enjoy how to connect the two plots together. Uh, as Denham said, I think the ending is a little bit sloppy, how they try to connect it to Harold, even though he plays a very limited role in the story and doesn't even speak. Um, so, yeah, it's an 8 out of 10. We do me. have our guilty pleasures. I am a fan of Better Late Than Never, so I can't speak. <laughs> you know, Barry, you mentioned how Harold doesn't speak, and it's a 2.5 from me now. Oh, no! What have I done? No! Because oh. so much focus is put on him, yet he doesn't say a word. <laughs> Anyways. The, this is the worst day of my life. Don't worry, there's <laughs> worse to come. Uh, hey, it hey, feels that way worry. 2020, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but... With that, we conclude episode 37 of the Right on Track podcast. For a quick refresher, today we've covered Something in the Air, Thomas Percy and Old Slow Coach, and Thomas and the Rumours. Three episodes. <laughs> uh, I was going to say wonderful, but one of them isn't so. Oh. Episodes from Series 5. And what are we going to be reviewing next episode, Parry? Okay, in episode 38 of the Right on Track podcast, uh, we've got a special guest lined up and we are going to be looking at the stories Oliver's Find, Happy Ever After and Sir Topham Hatt's Holiday. I'm particularly looking forward to talking about that story. Mm, indeed. It's going to be great fun and it's always a wonderful time reviewing episodes of Thomas the Tank Engine with you listeners and with you guys as well. But in the meantime, until that time comes, I've still been Denim. I have still been Parry. I have still been Connor. And this has been the Round Track Podcast. Adios, guys. Au revoir. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Right On Track Podcast, hosted by Tom Parry, Connor Jonas, and Tom Denham. To keep up to date and on schedule with Right on Track, you can follow them on their various social media platforms. Platform 1 is Facebook. Facebook.com slash Right on Track Thomas Podcast. Platform 2 is Instagram. Sin underscore Right on Track. Platform 3 is Twitter at OnTrackThomas. Platform 4 is email RightOnTrackThomas at gmail.com. And on Platform 5, for more show details, visit sin.org.au slash RightOnTrackThomasPodcast. The theme was composed by Headmaster Hastings, edited by Tom Denham, produced by Sim Media. <laughs>